Well, I want to encourage you, invite you to take your copy of God's Word, if you don't mind, and turn or click with me on 1 Samuel chapter 18. That's where we're going to be this morning as we continue our series through the books of 1 and 2 Samuel called Looking for a King. At this point, when we come to this section, this point of, in the text in 1 Samuel 18, David's been anointed by the prophet Samuel as the next king of Israel. As we saw last week, he's killed the giant Goliath in chapter 17. In doing so, he's won the affection of the people of Israel, but he hasn't yet become the king. Saul's still the king. Even though God's favor has left Saul because of his disobedience twice um, that Saul did in regards to God's word specifically. Now, as we begin this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your umbrella away. And you're looking at me like, Derek, I don't have an umbrella on me. (laughs) We do. Sometimes we come into our worship experience with what I call a spiritual umbrella. It's that umbrella that we put up so that when the word comes, just like rain, it hits that umbrella and falls around to the person next to us, in front of us, behind us, but it doesn't touch us because maybe we don't think we need it. Maybe we're okay. We think we're okay in this area. But this topic that we're going to address this morning as we navigate 1 Samuel 18 affects every one of us who are in this room at some time. Maybe it is currently affecting you now. And even those who are watching online, it's something that all of us have to deal with. There are two words that you need to keep in mind as we go through this message. One is the word jealousy. The other is the word envy. Now, let me just address this up front, something that you all know. There are legitimate occasions for jealousy, such as when maybe someone is trying to win your spouse away from you. That is a legitimate occasion for jealousy. God even declares himself to be a jealous God who will not tolerate worship of anyone or anything other than himself. And so those are just a couple of legitimate occasions for jealousy. But what we're going to deal with this morning are the sins of jealousy and envy. And the sins, and you may not have even thought of them as that, but they are. The sins of jealousy and envy are all about what you and I want. And the words are actually very similar in meaning but there's a slight difference between the two. If you look both of those words up in a dictionary, you'll find that the definitions are similar, but they're not identical. For example, if you like to take notes on your sermon outline, now would be the time. Jealousy is the fear that you'll lose something valuable to you. Envy is the anger you feel because someone else got what you wanted. So basically, if I could kind of put them like this, jealousy is on defense. Envy is on offense. And as you and I know, if you're, if you're a sports nut like I am, the most dangerous teams are the ones that are good at both offense and defense, although a team that's great at either one of those, offense or defense, can defeat you. 
Jealousy and envy can kill you by themselves. But when you take both of those, jealousy and envy, and you team them up, as they will do here with Saul, they are doubly destructive. Jealousy and envy are two emotions that go hand in hand. When you have jealousy, you almost always have envy. Jealousy is usually first, with envy trailing close behind, and both, as I said just a moment ago, and I want to stress this again, are very dangerous, very destructive emotions. It not only will poison and destroy you, but it kills marriages, it kills friendships, it kills families, and look, it can even kill churches. If I could try to guess maybe which one is the stronger of the two, I would say that envy is the stronger of the two. Because envy not only involves ill will towards someone else, but envy actually expresses itself in action against the one who's being envied. It's a sin that will kill you from the inside out. That's why Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 rightly refers to envy as, and I quote, the rottenness of the bones. Envy will poison your life so that you can't and don't enjoy what you have. It will poison your relationships. It will turn you into someone that you don't want to be, and it will reveal the worst parts about you. It is an ugly and destructive sin. You see, envy will not just want what the person has. Envy will find a problem with the person who has it. Yeah, it's great that he got the promotion, but did you hear that he's... You fill in the blank. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that she finally found someone, but it sure took her long enough. So envy is the pain that we feel when somebody else achieves or receives what we think belongs to us. Now let me ask you, and don't answer out loud, please. Have you ever been jealous? Have you ever been envious? Are you currently now jealous? Are you currently now envious? Are you right now jealous of someone? Maybe of what they have, maybe of what they have done, and you find yourself jealous. Look, it's so easy to become jealous because we still have to deal with this sinful flesh, which likes to rear its ugly head from time to time in our lives. And there are many, many warning signs and examples of jealousy and envy that we could go to in the Word of God. But it just so happens that we're in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I personally don't think there's any greater example of the destructive power of jealousy and envy than what you find in the life of Saul in this chapter. Saul is exhibit A of what can happen to someone when jealousy and envy takes over in their life. 
You see, just a chapter earlier, when David killed Goliath, David killing Goliath was the event that propelled David onto the public stage. But it also, that same event also became the catalyst for something that would shape the rest of David's life, and that was the jealousy and envy of King Saul. The story that you're going to see here in 1 Samuel 18 about Saul's jealousy, I believe, is meant there to warn us. Because what happens to Saul can so very easily happen to every one of us who are in this room this morning. The heart of the story is found in 1 Samuel 18, which takes place, 1 Samuel 18 takes place after David has killed Goliath and after he has become friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. And so look with me, if you wouldn't mind, in 1 Samuel 18, and we'll pick up in verse 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there in front of you there on the screen. The Word of God says, Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sing, sang, Saul has slain his thousands. Stop right there. I know it goes on, but stop right there for just a minute. So after Saul, David, and the army have come back from battle in triumph over this Philistine named Goliath, someone had obviously written a song. A song that it seems to me kind of made the Billboard Top 100. Because all over Israel... They were singing this song. In fact, this, these verses tell us that when the women came out from all over, you kind of see it there in the middle, the women came out from all over, they're singing this song. And they're dancing as they're singing the lyrics, Saul has slain his thousands. I mean, what a great song. And Saul, no doubt, when he heard the first part of this song, no doubt that moved the heart of Saul. But the song doesn't stop there. You're going to see it in a moment. And so the first set of verses or first words of that song moved the heart of Saul. You're going to see in a moment the next words of this song are going to move the hate in Saul. Because the women's joyful songs brought anything but joy to King Saul. Here's what it goes on to say in verse 7. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Now, if the song had ended with Saul has slain his thousands, Saul would have been happy. He would have been thrilled. Probably would have had that song copyrighted, sent out to play for the radio stations to play. But it was that phrase that you see next, and David. It was that comparison that the women were making between Saul and David that got at him and began to eat away at King Saul. Now it's clear 
if you go back to verse seven for me just a moment, it's clear that the women kind of gave slight honor to Saul, but they gave greater honor to David. And to say the least, King Saul notices the slight. Notice what the text says next in verse eight. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. This song makes Saul very angry. You see, Saul was king, and yet the people are praising David instead of him. They're praising David more than him. Now, here's what you got to know. Saul was okay with David's success until David is viewed as more successful than him. Although Saul is king, he is threatened by this younger man who's won the hearts of the people and appears now to be more successful than him. And so Saul now begins to grow jealous. He sees David as a threat. And eventually Saul will decide that he must kill David before David takes the throne away from him. And over the next few chapters, Saul tries multiple times to either kill David or to have David killed. Now church, even though this is centuries ago, nothing has changed in regards to the destructive power that jealousy and envy can have in your life and in mine. And so what we're going to try to do in the remainder of our time is we're going to try to answer some questions this morning as we look at jealousy and envy in the life of Saul. But I want you to put that umbrella away if you haven't yet, because I want to make this personal. And for time's sake, since I said that jealousy usually comes first before envy, and for time's sake, rather than saying jealousy and envy or jealousy or envy, I'm just going to use the word jealousy. And the first thing I want you to see on your sermon outline, this is what you got to know, is that jealousy always begins with comparisons. To be jealous of someone is to compare yourself to that someone. Listen again to what Saul says in verse 8. They have credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. Comparisons were made between Saul and David, of which Saul didn't appreciate. He didn't like the comparison because David was receiving more. Saul's okay when David's in his room playing music for him. Saul's okay with David killing Goliath because Saul sure wasn't going to do it. We read that in the last chapter. But when David gets the credit for the military success, when David gets the, the praise from the people that Saul so desperately wants and lives for, he becomes jealous. Now that's jealousy, isn't it? Jealousy always begins with comparing yourself to someone else. You compare your house to their house. You compare your car to their car. You compare your paycheck to their paycheck. 
You want their success. You want their status. You want their appearance. But it's not just in an ambitious way. It's in a way that makes you unhappy inside. In a way that wishes they didn't have it, but you did. You see, jealousy has a way of making me and you think something like this. I deserve that, not them. That should be mine not theirs. Jealousy is a disease that I call this, comparisonitis. Have you ever heard of it? Now you have. It's a new disease, comparisonitis. They have that much, but I only have this much. You compare yourself just like Saul did. You compare what you have or what you've done to what somebody else has or to what somebody else has done. And as you do, you become miserable. General rule about envy. Envy is triggered or jealousy is triggered by observing someone else getting what you think that you deserve. That's the general rule. And because of that, you're unable to celebrate what they have because you're comparing. And even more so, you're unable to enjoy what you have because you're comparing. You can't appreciate the success of someone else without comparing it to yourself. They're happily married, but I'm not. They're successful, but I'm not. They're better looking than I am. Their life is so easy compared to mine. It's noticing something that's good about someone else, but instead of rejoicing over the good that they have, you weep over the fact that you don't have it. Can I give you some more examples? Because I think examples sometimes hit home. Let me give you some. Someone comes up to you and they share with you how great their marriage is. And now you resent them for it and you hate your husband even all the more because your marriage isn't like theirs. Someone gets a promotion at work and you hope they'll fail at it and now you hate your job even more. You see someone good looking, someone very beautiful and you say to yourself, well, they're probably really shallow and stupid on the inside. You see someone with kids that are obedient and seem to have it all put together and you can't wait for them to go bad. Or you say something like, just wait till they grow up. Look, there's nothing inherently wrong with comparison. There's nothing wrong with noticing someone else's strong marriage or someone else's job skills and praising God for it and then learning from their example. But a person who's affected by jealousy will see someone else's strong marriage, they'll see someone else's job success, and they will resent them for it, and they will want the other person to fail. The person affected by jealousy feels worse about their own life because of what they see in the lives of other people. And some of you know that because that's where you're at. 
Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. But jealousy causes us to do the opposite. Jealousy causes us to rejoice when people are unhappy and to weep when people are happy. And you know the same as I do, social media has made it so much worse. Jealousy is a problem that every one of us, including myself, who are in this room must face. And it's also a problem that we all must fight. We all have to fight this comparison in our lives where we find ourselves wanting what someone else has and being dissatisfied with what we have. That's what jealousy is. Now let me answer the question of what does jealousy do? Do not underestimate what jealousy can do and maybe what jealousy is doing to you right now. In the case of Saul, jealousy turned Saul into a murderous madman. Let me give you a few examples of what jealousy will do to you on your sermon outline. Number one, and these are in no particular order, but I'm going to walk through the text with you and show you these. Number one, jealousy will make you look at people differently. Look at verse 9. This is after the song that Saul did not like. And from that time on, Saul kept a, what kind of an eye? A jealous eye on David. Literally, it reads like this in the original. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul cannot take his eyes off of David now. He has to watch his every move. He's consumed with but one passion. Saul has to get rid of David. So what is jealousy again? The fear of losing something valuable. What is envy? The anger you feel when someone else gets something that you want for yourself. Both of those are at work in Saul's life right now. His jealousy has made him fearful of David and his envy has made him angry at David. Together, jealousy and envy have consumed him until eventually he has but one goal. He wants to get rid of David once and for all. Look, it, it is not wise to let jealousy get into your heart. Jealousy will make you suspicious of other people to the point that you will find yourself questioning and thinking the worst of their motives. Think about this statement for just a moment. Jealousy isn't simply about something we don't have, like recognition, success, some kind of material possession. It's about the person who has what we don't have. Jealousy always colors the way that we see other people. Just like Saul, jealousy moves people from the category of being a recipient of our love, which is what they are supposed to be, to being a recipient of our suspicion. You see, Saul's now angry. And because he is angry, he's suspicious of David and he feels threatened by David. He's afraid of David, that David's becoming more popular than he is, which means Saul isn't as popular anymore. And so Saul is jealous of David because he fears losing the admiration of the people and respect, while David in the process is gaining prestige and popularity among the people. 
This is a, a critical turning point, not only for Saul, but also for David. Because from this point on, never again would David know peace in his life until Saul is dead. In the space of a few days, David's gone from unknown shepherd to national hero to a hated enemy. Soon he will be hunted like an animal. Soon he will leave Saul's court never to return. Soon David will make the hills his home and the caves his refuge. Soon David will become a fugitive. Keep in mind, David hasn't done anything. All David has done has been faithful to Saul. He does nothing to undermine or undercut King Saul at all. There's no reason for Saul to be jealous of David. David's victory was Saul's victory. David's victory was a victory for the people of God. But remember, Saul is not where Saul needs to be with God. And so because Saul has an evil heart, it has produced an evil eye. The evil eye of jealousy. The fact that David is innocent of any wrongdoing doesn't matter to Saul. Why? Because jealousy has consumed him. Like a snake that has coiled itself around Saul's heart, jealousy has now crushed out all of the love that he has in his heart for David. And listen carefully. You cannot love another person with God's love if you're jealous of them. It won't happen. So not only will jealousy make you look at people differently, number two, jealousy will make you live with people fearfully. There's a progression at work here. You can see it right in the text. Three things that jealousy did to Saul. Number one, in verse eight, it produced anger. Number two, in verse nine, it produced suspicion or paranoia. And then it produced, as you're going to see, number three, fear. You see it three times in this chapter where it says that Saul was afraid of David. Look in verse 12. Saul was afraid of David. Verse 15. When Saul saw how successful he was talking about David, he was afraid of him. Verse 29. Saul became still more afraid of him. It might surprise us to know how often the people who are out to get us are actually motivated by fear. More fearful that, that someone else might be taking their place or enjoying more success or getting more attention. And we read in verse 12 that Saul was afraid of David because God was with him but had departed Saul. Look again at verse 12 where it says, Saul was afraid of David. We read that. Here's the rest of it. Because the Lord was with David but had left Saul. Saul's a man who had lost sight of God. And listen, I'm going to make a statement that I don't have on the screen in front of you, but if you can write fast, go for it. Here it is. Whenever a person is out of the will of God, they will become afraid of someone who is in the will of God. I'm going to say that again. Whenever someone is out of the will of God, they will become afraid of someone who is in the will of God. Whenever a person is in the flesh they will be afraid of someone who is in the spirit. You see it in the text. And so what does Saul do? 
Remember, he's jealous of David. He doesn't like David. He doesn't like all the praise and adoration that David's getting. And so those three things, anger, remember that anger, suspicion, and fear. Those three things led quickly and directly to the fourth thing, attempted murder. We know Saul tried to kill David, but what we may not connect it to is his jealousy. But that's where it began. Murder wasn't the beginning. Attempted murder was the end. Jealousy was the beginning. Saul didn't start out to kill him, but it became naturally once jealousy ruled his life. And Saul's jealousy led him to attempt to kill David, not once, but multiple times. And so what happens next is Saul decides to play his favorite party game, pin the spear on David. You read about it in verse 10. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Years ago, David came to Saul and played music for him and it soothed him. Now that same music that once soothed Saul now angers Saul. And as David plays, Saul takes a spear And he throws it at David twice. Now let me ask you without you answering. Have you ever been around a throw-spearing person? Are you a throw-spearing person? Have you ever been around someone who took their authority and their position and they used it as an opportunity to throw spears at you and make life miserable for you? They excuse their ugly behavior and their bullying ways because they're in a place of authority. That's where David is at. Because jealousy colors the way that you see another person, if you don't address your heart, that jealousy will lead to some kind of spear throwing. What do I mean by that? It will lead to some kind of active disdain for that other person. You might not actually pick up a spear and try to throw it at them, but you may find yourself short-tempered with that person. You may find yourself overly critical of that person, or you may try to push that person out of your life altogether through neglect, maybe indifference, or distance. We might not actually throw physical spears, but we throw other spears when we become jealous of people. At first glance, you might not think that jealousy is that major of a sin. Sure, you may get a little jealous of people from time to time, but it's not that dangerous, right? Saul shows us that jealousy is actually one step short of murder. Number three, jealousy will make you look at people differently. It will make you live with people fearfully and it will make you look on people critically. One way jealousy affects you is that you become hypercritical. Always needing to find faults in other people. Because when you're jealous of someone, something within you needs to take them down. 
You need to prove that they're not all they seem to be. When you hear or notice one of their faults, some of us know this to be true, don't we? When you hear or notice one of their faults, you magnify it in order to convince yourself that you're really better than they are. And when they fall, you rejoice. Because a jealous spirit can't rejoice when other people are happy. Here's a simple way to describe it on your sermon outline. Jealousy is unhappiness at the success of others and happiness at the suffering of others. When you're jealous, you're sad when others are glad and you're glad when others are sad. Jealousy causes you to say something like this. I've been treated unfairly and I want my fair share. If I can't have my fair share, then you can't have your fair share either. No one can be richer than you. No one can be healthier than you. No one can be happier than you. No one can be more gifted than you. No one can be more spiritual than you are when you have a jealous heart. You ever heard of Irma Bombeck? Irma Bombeck captured the heart of jealousy, of jealousy in her humorous prayer when she said this, Lord, if you cannot make me thin, at least make my friends look fat. Jealousy will cause you to be critical of others, but jealousy will also cause you to be critical of yourself. It will poison your ability to enjoy the life that you have. You can't appreciate your own body because you're too fat, or your nose is too big, or your teeth aren't white enough, or your skin's not tan enough. You can't appreciate your position at work because because others get promoted when they shouldn't or they get rewarded when you work harder. You can't appreciate your life because other people seem to have it better. So number one, jealousy will make you look at people differently. Number two, it will make you live with people fearfully. Number three, it will make you look on people critically. And number four, it will open you up to evil spiritually. Jealousy opens you up to evil. Look in verses 9 and 10 again. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. We read that, but we didn't read this. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. Giving place to jealousy opens you up to the spiritual forces of evil. You allow the enemy to whisper in your ear how God has let you down, how God hasn't been good to you, how other people have hurt you, and how it's just life is just miserable. It gives the devil a foothold in your life. The book of James says this in chapter 3 For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. When jealousy and envy take root in your heart, it will cause you to do evil things. It will cause you to squander precious time and resources in evil actions rather than faithfully serving God. So how do we deal with it? If you're going to deal with jealousy and envy, you must understand the root. What's behind it? Why does it upset you so much when you see someone else's post on Facebook about their great marriage? 
or about someone enjoying a wonderful vacation or when someone appears to look more beautiful than you. The bottom line is this. You're trying to find your self-worth or your happiness in something or someone other than God. If you want to know what's underneath your jealousy, you need to pay attention to what it is that you're jealous of. Are you jealous of the success of other people? Are you jealous of the relationships of other people? Are you jealous of the looks of other people? Is it all of the above? Is it more? Where do you find the happiness of others causing you to be unhappy in your own life or bitter in your heart? What is this revealing about what your heart really desires and about what your heart really seeks? If you get your self-worth from work, then you're jealous of those who do better than you and you want to see them fall. If you get your self-worth from relationships, then you're jealous of those who have better relationships than you. Or if you believe that happiness and joy are found in relationships, you'll be jealous of those who are in a relationship when you're not. If you get your self-worth from your looks or believe that your happiness and joy come from being good-looking, then you're jealous of those who are better looking. Saul got his identity. Listen, he found his identity from being a king. And he was insecure about it. And David's success threatened Saul's identity that he found in himself being king. Saul was insecure in who God had called him to be. And so what I want to challenge you to do, and hang with me, we're wrapping up soon. In conclusion, (laughs) just seeing who was with me last week. Look at what you're jealous of and look at who you envy. They will reveal that you're building your identity on something or someone other than God. And that is a very dangerous place to be as a follower of Jesus. So how do you deal with it? I believe the key to overcoming jealousy, I think there's many things, but for time's sake, let me limit it to one. And then I'll give you five practical steps in conclusion. Real quick. I think the key to overcoming jealousy is contentment. Contentment. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Do not pull that last sentence out of context. It's dealing with the ability to be content. And I can do all of that. I can be content through Jesus who gives me the strength to be content. I'm convinced that the antidote to jealousy is contentment. So what is contentment? Let me define it for you. Contentment is to be satisfied with who you are, where you are, and what you have. 
Because if you believe you are who God wants you to be, and if you believe you are where God wants you to be, and if you believe you have what God wants you to have, then you have no reason to ever be jealous of who someone else is, where someone else goes, or what someone else has. And in almost every case, whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, jealousy is an acknowledgement of God's blessing in someone's life. The problem is you've concluded that the blessing is misdirected. It's saying, God, you've got it all wrong. You made a mistake when you gave that person what they have. They don't deserve that promotion. They don't deserve that relationship. They shouldn't have that kind of a house. What about me? What do I get? I deserve some of what you gave to them. And if you're jealous, what you're saying is that God has no right to bless someone else more than he has blessed you. You see, when you're jealous and envious, your struggle really isn't with the person that you envy. Your struggle is really with God. So, until you come to grips with God, you'll never be free from the grip of jealousy. And so let me give you five practical steps to overcoming jealousy and envy in your life. They're going to move fast. Here they go. Number one, admit you're an envious or jealous person. This isn't easy because we don't like to admit that envy or jealousy has found a place in our hearts. We are proud people sometimes, but until you come clean, you will never be made clean. Number two, confess your sin of envy. This goes beyond just admitting it. Now you're confessing it. The Greek word confess is homologeo. It means to say the same thing as. And so you say the same thing about envy and jealousy that God says about it and that it is a sin and that he does not like it. And unless God delivers you from it, you will never be set free from it. Number three, pray for the success of those that you envy. It won't be easy because envy makes us angry at those who have what we don't. But pray for their success. Number four, thank God for the things you envy in other people. This is very helpful because it forces you to admit that what you envy is actually God's gift to someone else. Whether it's their beauty, their talent, their business success, their personality, it all comes from God and you're recognizing that he has blessed them with it. Why not try thanking God for his gifts to other people? And number five, find someone who needs your help. Nothing will cure jealousy and envy like getting your eyes off of yourself because that's what they are. Those sins are all about you. And then putting your eyes on someone else. Helping someone else will end up helping you. As your focus now shifts from what you think you don't have to how you can use what you've been given by God for the benefit of someone else. Only the power of God and the gospel can kill jealousy and envy in your life. You can be confident in who you are because Jesus has freed you to fully be yourself not someone else. 
Our identity is not bound up in our profession. It's not bound up in what other people say about us. It's not bound up in how we look. Our identity is found in what Jesus has called us through the gospel. And Jesus says that we are deeply loved, that we are forgiven from our sin by his blood, that we are valued, and that we have been set apart for his purposes. Only the power of God and the gospel can kill jealousy and envy in your life. Would you stand with me as we pray and go into a time of singing? Father, there are times that we go to your word and we are so encouraged. And then there are times we go to your word and we are so convicted. This is one of those convicting chapters because it so hits home to all of us. Because at some point in our life, maybe even right now, we have been or are jealous and envious of other people. And God, all that does, first and foremost, it's a sin against you. But it also makes us blind to the blessings that we have been given by you. When we're jealous of someone else, we're counting their blessings instead of counting our own. So Father, help us to be more grateful for what we do have instead of so focused on what we don't have. Help us to be satisfied in who we are in you and what we have in you. Because in you, we are everything and in you, we have everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.